When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 84, and we are recording on June 6th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. What up, Amanda? Welcome, Welcome back. We have returned from BEA. I'm still a little hoarse. <laughs> yeah, same. Same. We're, I, this is going to be the sexy show. Oh, right. <laughs> it's our Delilah After Dark Delilah. <laughs> That's going to be like a forever thing now. That's never going away. I can't do it without laughing. No. <laughs> I, so BEA um, was great. Yeah, it was good. There was a lot of lovely authors there, and we got a lot of, of, of books. We got so many books. I didn't spill anything on anyone. <laughs> you didn't. I didn't either. It's true. Yeah. I did, like, awkwardly avoid Meg Wallitzer at a party because I just can't <laughs> make sounds at her because she's a genius. I'm like, what am I going to say? So right. I just hid behind Jen. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. We, we, we like, we, um, what is the word I want? We lovingly side-eyed her. Like, we, uh-huh. like, we were definitely like, that's Meg Wallitzer. Mm-hmm. But we, like, also did not say anything to anyone fancy. Um, so, you know, that's, that's how we roll at parties in case. <laughs> you were wondering awkwardly we either, roll awkwardly. yeah awkwardly exactly we either are spilling things on people or deliberately not talking to them it's super cool so what are you reading <laughs> yeah it's it the irony here is that i came home with you know a literal box full of books uh that are advanced you know galleys and all of these things um, I apologize if you can hear that. They have, have, of course, chosen this very moment to vacuum the hall outside of my apartment. Um, <laughs> anyway, I came home with all of these galleys, and instead I'm reading Backlist because that's just how I do, apparently. But I started it before BEA, in my defense. Um, so I'm reading The Star-Crossed Queen by Roshini Choksi, um, which is this YA that is inspired by Hindu mythology uh, about a girl who is part of, like, she's the daughter of a, a ruling king. Is he a king? Anyway, a ruler. And she has this horrible horoscope when she was born, so nobody wants to marry her, and she's kind of hoping she can just be a scholar girl for the rest of her life. Um, and then she gets married off to someone else. I Like, there's so many spoilers. Um, and... I, I, like, don't know how to describe the rest of the book without spoiling everything, but she's going on supernatural adventures, and it's pretty great so far. I'm really enjoying it. I think I'm about halfway done. Uh, so that's The Star-Touched Queen by Roshini Choksi, which I think is the first in a... Yeah, it's the first in a series. So that's interesting. Um, oh. Yeah. Okay. I had that, but I thought that it was, like, a companion to the other books that she wrote. Oh, but- I've never read her before. Or maybe that was the same. I don't know. Like her covers have a very, all her covers have very similar color schemes. So I get mm. confused about which one is which sometimes. Um, I should double check that. Anyway, it's one of those things where like I own all of her books right. and I'm just having a, you know, story of all of our lives. Yeah, okay. So, so I'm reading The Day of the Duchess by Sarah McLean, which is this out yet? No. Um, uh, it comes out June 27th. Yeah. Um, it's her new, the third book in the Scandal and Scoundrel series. It's historical Regency romance. And it's great. It's like a divorce book. Like the um, the book opens with the heroine, Serafina, 
strolling, early, not even strolling, like barging into uh-huh. the House of Lords, like Parliament, during a meeting of the House of Lords and like demanding a divorce from her scoundrel husband, who she has not seen in two and a half years because they their marriage like ended on a really terrible, sad, tragic note and she's like run off um, and hasn't been home and he hasn't been able to find her and et cetera. And so she wants a divorce so she can like open a pub and live her own life and all this kind of thing. And he agrees to give her a divorce if she comes home and like lives in his house with him and finds him a replacement wife. (laughs) So there's like this really awkward, horrible setup. Like they're very mean to each other. Yeah. Um, And I'm really interested in how this goes and my story about this which is lovely and you should read everything by Sarah McLean because she's amazing um is that I got this book at BEA the day I found out that my divorce was finalized like I found out that morning and then I went to Sarah's signing to sign this like divorce romance book and was like Sarah <laughs> a thing has happened to me today <laughs> and me. so she yeah so she like wrote me a very nice commemorative note in the book and so like it it's like meaning a thing to me. I'm having a lot of feelings about it. It's really nice. Um, so that's what I'm reading now. That's the Day so nice. of the Duchess. All right. Well, let's talk about what we're actually here to talk about, which is uh, reading recommendations. Uh, the way the show works is that you send us questions about anything from what should I get my graduating niece for, you know, her passage into the adult world to what should my book club read next to uh, I'm obsessed with this one kind of book and I need more any of those and anything else book recommendation related you can send to us you can send it to get booked at bookriot.com via email or uh, the site has show notes for every episode and you can drop your question into the form at the bottom of each of those Uh, if you have a time sensitive question please do note when you need the response by either in the subject line of the email or in the very first line of the form so that we can get to it hopefully on time. If you've asked a question that we've answered before or that we're not going to get to in time on the air, I will do my best to email you an answer. Uh, And yeah, we have a lot of questions. We're working our way through them. Super excited about all of them being super specific. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, So that is the way the show works. Let's see. So I'm going to read the first question, and then Amanda's going to tell you about our first sponsor, and then we will get to our recommendations. So our first question is from Melissa, who says, uh, Our little five-month-old baby girl was born in November and is the light of our lives. My husband is an absolutely amazing father and a complete natural. Fatherhood just agrees with him. For his first Father's Day, I want to put a gift together that's a little sentimental. I'm looking for something that explores or details the special bond between a dad and a daughter. Can be fiction, nonfiction, it doesn't matter. He does especially love narrative historical nonfiction like Eric Larson, uh, sci-fi and fantasy, but we'll try just about anything. <clears throat> okay. Um, all right. So let's do our first sponsor and then we will get to it. Um, our first sponsor is Amazon Kindle. As we all know, great spellers come from great readers. And so Kindle is the proud presenting sponsor of the 2017 Scripps National Spelling Bee, the greatest sporting event on ESPN. Obviously. If I do <laughs> So a Kindle e-reader is a great way to encourage a child's emerging love for reading, especially as they begin to read more complicated and longer chapter books by themselves without your your assistance. Uh, A lightweight e-reader is perfect for young readers because they can bring thousands of books with them wherever they go without weighing down their backpack. And a single-purpose Kindle is designed for reading only. So there are no videos, there's no games or apps or any way for them to get distracted. It's just a book. So if you're worried about your kid getting distracted while they're trying to read on a digital device, then that is not a worry with a single purpose Kindle. Um, Kindle also supports comprehension and vocab development. 
It automatically creates flashcards of words that your kid has looked up on the device for them to review in the future. And it incorporates simple definitions in the margin above difficult words. Uh, it has Kindle free time where parents can create personalized profiles for kids and give them access to titles from their own collection of books. And then you could get, get sent as a parent, you get sent a progress report that keeps you updated on your child's reading habits. So you can learn more about the ways that Kindle inspires a child's love of reading by visiting amazon.com slash Kindle for kids. And I hope you watched the spelling bee, which was, I think, last week. So thank you for sponsoring the show. Okay, so this question is adorable. Mm -hmm. Let me just put that out there. Um, So something sentimental about father-daughter relationships. I picked something that I don't need to explain the plot to you, but I picked (laughs) To Kill a Mockingbird um, by Harper Lee, which is obviously a father-daughter story amongst, you know, being about several other things. I don't know that any of you would be unfamiliar with it, but in case you're not, um, it's it's about a, a widower named Atticus Finch who's a lawyer in 1930s Alabama. Um, and he's raising his son and daughter who are, Jen is 11, I think. And, uh, I don't remember how old the girl is. Anyway, she's a little six, something like that. I think she's six. Um, yeah. Anyway, so he's raising them by himself. Um, he gets caught up in the town's sort of, uh, like horrible racism when he volunteers to defend, uh, a black man who's been falsely accused of rape, of raping a white woman. And his family has to deal with kind of the fallout of that choice. Um, and the Atticus Finch is such a, a um, like a non-traditional dad. He's kind of aloof. He's very intellectual. He doesn't have tons of like feelings at his kids, and he kind of seems like very lost, at not knowing how to how to deal with his daughter, uh, especially um, now that his wife is gone. And but at the same time, he's like just excellent. Like every the way that he goes about managing his kids are uh, kind of heroic. He's, he's very, like, otherworldly, larger than life, not realistic, but it is a very sentimental story, and the relationship is really nice. Um, and since it is a classic and, you know, one of, like, the most beloved works of American literature, it would be really easy to go out and find, like, a nice gift copy for a, for a Father's Day present. So that's To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. What is her name? Why can't I think of the little girl's name? <laughs> Scout. Scout. Thank you. God. My son's name is Atticus, and I'm sitting here like, I can't remember a name of a character from this Skull is, This is a post-BEA fugue state is oh, what you're this so is. Right. You're just right. Um, <laughs> I had a hard time with this question because I was trying really hard to think of nonfiction or something like adult, and I could not, I literally could not think of anything that had a positive father-daughter relationship in it because apparently I haven't read any, but then I I thought of Mariel of Redwall by Brian Jakes, and I'm super excited about this recommendation. So the Redwall series is a whole series of books about talking animals who have adventures, because obviously. Um, And Mariel of Redwall is the fourth one, but I don't think you really, it doesn't matter. Uh, And it is about a a young girl, a mouse girl named Mariel, who she and her father are on a ship uh, and they get attacked by pirate rats and hmm. um, they get checked into the sea and uh, Mariel, you know, uh, manages to survive and she gets taken in by the the other woodland creatures at Redwall Abbey um, and she's, she, she's convinced that her father has died so she swears an oath of vengeance against the pirate rats <laughs> and then goes to like 
uh, goes to wreak her vengeance upon them. So it's about a little mouse girl who's taking on pirate rats to, to like in honor of her dad. Um, mm-hmm. And I just thought that was, would be a, just a fun, sweet book. And B like when you're obviously at five months old, your daughter is a little young for this, but at some point they would be able to read this together. Um, and the red bubble books are so much fun and the illustrations are so beautiful and they have been out for a long time. So there's a lot of good additions out there. So that's Mariel of Redwall by Brian jakes okay question two is from Kristen. i'm expecting my first child in july i a lot of my readers slash expectant mama friends are reading books about childbirth and parenting i've read a couple but i've been finding it stressful and not helpful at this point in my pregnancy i'm having a girl and my husband and i are so excited to help her become a tough fun and smart little lady can you recommend any good books about daughter relationships with moms or dads even preferably fiction something that will get me excited and not terrified about becoming a mom Okay, this is similar to the first question, obviously, but um, I thought there was more opportunity to do like a mother-daughter recommendation here. So that's kind of what I went with. And it's not fiction, I apologize, but it did. It was very helpful for me or has been very helpful for me when my kids were younger. So um, it's The Blue Jays Dance by Louise Erdrich, and it's a memoir of her year um, of like living with her daughter when her daughter was first born. So it covers like her daughter's first year of life. <clears throat> Excuse me. And she does talk a little bit about like pregnancy and the process of childbirth and, and stuff like that. But her book is the book is so quiet. Like Louise Erdrich is a writer, so she takes her child out to like her writing cabin in the woods, and like this is what she does every day, and like communes with her baby, and like looks out the window at you know the blue jays that are outside and the foxes and stuff, and like writes books, and this is what she does for a year, and it's just really like contemplative and nice. I think it's a good it's a good break from when you're pregnant and you read all those like handbooks of like what to expect when you're expecting, and here's mm-hmm. how you're gonna throw up for 40 weeks. It's like, <laughs> here's all the terrifying stuff about childbirth that no one tells you. And all those things are useful, you know, whatever. But um, it is nice to read about like a woman doing, like following a creative pursuit that she refuses to give up once she becomes a mother, but also, <clears throat> excuse me, but also like her relationship with her daughter is so real. I mean, she's a newborn and there's only so much you can do or say to or with a child of that age. Um, but she manages to convey both the difficulties of having a young baby um, while also respecting what can be really kind of like sacred about it. And especially as a, as a mother, like the things that might be a little different for you because of societal expectations, like she addresses all of these very serious things. And it's just very like quiet, calming way. Louise Erdrich is like the greatest. And I felt it was very much like, I don't know, having like a very (laughs) smart and chill kind of older woman there to just be like, you're fine. It's fine. Babies Mm. cry. Babies are jerks. You're going to be all right. You know, (laughs) they're also amazing, but mostly jerks. And it's like, you're right. They are jerks. Um, But it it, like took a lot. It takes up a lot of pressure. It's just like, it's just really great. Um, So it's the Blue Jays Dance by Louise Erdrich. She was singing your song, huh? She really was. Like when I read it, my kids were... Not babies. I mean, they were probably like three or four, but it was still like, man, kids are jerks. But they are also like just so great, but jerks. Great jerks. Um, okay. I'm recommending another kids' books because this is this is going to happen multiple times this show, just so you know. Um, but I immediately thought of The True Meaning of Smack Day by Adam Rex, which got made into the Disney slash Pixar slash whatever movie Home, uh, which, if you haven't seen, is adorable and delightful and, and everybody should watch it. Um, but So The True Meaning of Smack Day is about a girl named Tip, uh, short for Gratuity Tucci. And she 
she is the the structure of the book is that she's writing a school essay about uh the true meaning of smeck day um for a national time capsule contest and she's 12 um so you know she makes it through okay but the plot of the book is that on christmas eve earth is invaded by giant alien spaceships um and the aliens who are called the Boove uh have either abducted her mother or her mother has wandered off like her mother's not super uh, her mother's a little dreamy and a little absent-minded and so she finds that her mother's gone um and she's pretty sure she got taken to Florida uh where the Boove have sort of set up like a reservation for humans um and they're going to take over the rest of the planet and so tip sets off on an adventure to find her mom and to, and in the process of course help save the earth uh and and, and makes friends with a silly alien um, named J Lo, and it's just it's just so silly. There's like a hover car. There's all kind. There's like a cat is very key to the storyline. There's just all sorts of fun stuff. And um, but it is a really sweet book about how your mom cannot be perfect, but you love her anyway, and you, you want you want nothing more in this world than to see her. Uh, and and that's kind of the message of the story. And it's also just like a delightful, fun reading experience. So uh, you you wanted something that would get you excited. And you were talking about having like a tough, fun, smart little lady, which Tip is just a tough, fun, smart 12-year-old female character in a great book. So that's The True Meaning of Smeck Day by Adam Rex. Okay, and the next question is from Samantha. Who says, my mom is retiring in June, and she recently told me that since she'll have more time on her hands, she'd like to start reading. I'm super excited. Excuse me. Oh my goodness, my throat is so sore. Okay, I'm super excited about possibly being able to share books with her, but she's concerned about not being able to stay focused slash pay attention, especially with audiobooks. I'd like recommendations for books that are engaging and on the shorter side. She likes mystery slash crime shows, funny movies, and is super into interior design slash home renovation stuff. Also, she'd probably like something that doesn't have too much quote-unquote language. <laughs> so specific. <laughs> what Such you, a mom question. I know, doesn't want most mom. I, lo- I love it. What did you pick, Amanda? Okay, I picked Death at Wentwater Court by Carola Dunn, which is the first book in the Daisy Dalrymple series. And I listened to this on audio, so I can confirm it is excellent on audio. It's a cozy mystery, um, since your mom likes mis- mystery stuff. I thought this would be a, a good fit mystery and crime shows. Um, and also, since she likes interior design and home renovation stuff, I thought it would be good because it's a it takes place in 1920s Britain. All the characters are like flappers and bright young things and that kind of uh, stuff. And it's a collection of wealthy arist- aristocrats in England who are at a friend's country estate, and then one of them is found murdered. And so that's, you know, it's very Agatha Christie-ish in that sort of way. Uh, but the main character, Daisy, who is our sleuth, um, who is also an aristocrat, but she is uh, working for a living because she doesn't have any money of her own. Her her family is blue-blooded, but not particularly well-off. Um, and so she has got a job as a journalist for Town and Country Magazine and is at this house because, like covering the house, like the architecture of the house, the history of the house. Queen Elizabeth stayed there at one point. So your mom likes interior design. I thought that would be a nice um, segue into reading books and, and things. So the the plot of the book is that one of the guests, Lord Astwick, um, is found in a skating pond underneath the ice. Um, it's assumed to be an, ac- an accident, like he fell through the ice or something like that. But then Daisy, who is quite observant, 
and Plucky um, realizes that the hole that he went down through has what looks to be axe marks around the edges. So obviously it wasn't um, an accident. But everyone, literally everyone at the house, I think there are seven characters, had reason to hate the dude and to kill him. So um, who done it is what you are there to figure out. And since it's set in the 20s, there's tons of like hilarious language. Not language like what your mom doesn't want to hear, but like tally hose, you know, and like <laughs> spiffing. That sounds spiffing. And at first I was like, spiffing, what is that? Is that like a, am I going to find that on Urban Dictionary? Like it sounds like a dirty thing that kids say that I don't understand. But of course, it's just like excellent. So it's, it, it's like just hilarious on audio because you're like, oh, belly good time. You know? <laughs> it's very entertaining. So I will say that I didn't love the ending. When I put this on our agenda as my recommendation, I was, in, I was still uh, listening to the audiobook. I hadn't quite finished it. And I have now finished it. And I don't, I just don't love the ending. So I, it's not enough for me to not recommend it, but I will say, grain of salt. Um, it's not, it's not like pro- necessarily problematic or anything like that. Like she's not going to be offended by it maybe, but a few of the characters do some stuff that I didn't think went with how they were written before, but that's just me. Maybe it's just me. If your mom reads it and loves it, you know, let me know. So that's Death at Went Water Court by Carola Dunn. True story. I went through a phase in junior high where I tried to make spiffy be a thing. <laughs> like it was like it was my fetch. I was really trying to make spiffy work. Uh, it did Stop not. Stop trying to make fetch happen. I did. I tried to make spiffy happen. It didn't. It didn't happen. Um, that just tells you how much British literature I read in junior high. <laughs> okay, uh, my pick for your mom is Auntie Lee's Delights by Ovidia Yu, which is also a cozy mystery, and uh, the main character slash sleuth is a widow and chef, uh, cook, etc., named Rosie Lee, uh, who is like she she could be you know idle and rich she's got plenty of money um and instead she's decided to start this restaurant because she's a busybody she needs to know what everybody is doing at all times and have opinions about it and what better way than to get people to come into her restaurant and eat her delicious food and like tell her all of their secrets so and even if they're not telling her their secrets, she's figuring them out. So she's very observant and she's very nosy and she just loves to get into everybody's business. And one of the things that her restaurant does is throw these like wine dinners. Um, it was her son's idea. It's supposed to help his business and, um, you know, do a networking thing. And one night somebody doesn't show up. And at the same time, there is a report of an unidentified woman who's been found dead on a beach at a resort nearby. And so Auntie Lee is immediately like, well, what if it's the same person? And the mystery kind of unrolls from there. Uh, You also get a sort of narrative point of view from a local police commissioner who is like at first very dismissive of Auntie Lee and then is like, wait a minute, this lady, <laughs> she knows some things. Maybe I shall use her knowledge. Um, and the the ending is so great. Um, I really did love it. There's not language, but this book, for being a cozy mystery, it actually tackles quite a few things. Like it it talks about racism and homophobia both. Um, and, you know, there's some cultural issues that come up in the course of the book. So it's not like 100% fluff, but it is very enjoyable and, and very it's a very engaging and quick read. And Auntie Lee is so great and multi-dimensional like she's got a lot going on actually uh so i just say and there's four in this series so i think it's a good hopefully if your mom likes the first one she'll have a bunch more to get into so that's auntie lee's delights by ovidia U. okay question four is from dana who says 
Um, I'm looking for a book for my book club. Lately, we've read some great books, but I would describe them as heavy and somewhat depressing. Most recently, we finished In the Garden of Beasts by Eric Larson. After reading this, we all agree we need something lighter with more fun, but something that has enough to hold it up to a book club discussion. One of our past favorites in the genre was Jonathan Troper's This Is Where I Leave You. Would love some suggestions. Okay, I went with Seating Arrangements by Maggie Shipstead, which is definitely not heavy um, or depressing. Well, I'm... I'm, I'm no, it's not depressing. Not purposefully, anyway. Um, so uh, this is about a family of wealthy New Englanders who are heading off to their, um, like, island house, basically, that they have um, off the island of Waskeke? Waskeke? I don't know. Anyway, they own this big fancy beach house, and they're going there for the daughters. One of the daughters uh, is having her wedding on this island. She's marrying another, like, young, wealthy dude. Uh, it's told, the book is told from the point of view of the dad, Wynn, um, Wynn and Biddy. Biddy is his wife's name and I just love it so much. Uh, and so Biddy has planned the wedding. Everything is, you know, like military corners ready to go. Um, but as the wedding party starts gathering in the house, uh, everything kind of starts to fall apart as they like sleep with each other and have arguments about money and then sleep with each other some more but in different arrangements and then get really really drunk and do it all again and then also one of them is pregnant whoops and stuff like that and oh the dad turns out to be like kind of maybe a little broke and what's he gonna do about that and all of these like secrets and family histories and old strifes start coming to the surface because of course everyone is stuck in a house together um do like supposed to be celebrating this thing but it's just rich people problems um so there's like lots to talk about here i mean privilege and secrets and um like adultery so there's there's a lot to discuss but there's also i just find it funny like i i know that it's kind of a controversial book i know a lot of people are get like really irritated by these like invented interpersonal conflicts that the very wealthy seem to drum up but i find it hilarious like it's not depressing to me it's just like look, what must that life be like like you're arguing about a lobster spoon i don't even know is that a thing like is a lobster spoon a thing i don't know um but ugh, apparently it's a thing to fight about um so i think that would be a nice break uh and it's also a very summary read as we go into that kind of reading season so that seating arrangements by maggie shipstead yeah i was also thinking about family books because of the jonathan trapper reference and so i've picked the wangs versus the world by jade chang which is a family road trip novel also hilarious uh jade chang is so good at giving her characters just these really like they all have a different sense of humor and it all comes across on the page and it's really well done um so the family is charles wang is the father and he's an immigrant businessman who's built a cosmetics empire um and now he has lost everything in the financial crisis of 2008 so he is a trying to figure out how to tell his family like hey we're super poor now um <laughs> and b he they have ancestral land in china that he has previously not claimed so his his He's decided that he's going to pick everybody up, you know, drive from California to the East Coast where his oldest daughter lives and has her own house. Um, and then he's going to go to China and get back to family land. So there are a ton of characters to talk about. There are a ton of hijinks that ensue in the course of the road trip. Um, there's also serious stuff like obviously 
there are some family dynamics that are difficult as well as entertaining. Um, and the oldest daughter in particular, uh, Sena, is a used to be like the it girl of the art world, and now she's kind of out of the scene and she's got plenty of money, but she's trying to figure out what she's going to do with her life. And she's having some relationship problems that are entirely of her own making. Um, and, and she was really, I found her really compelling and interesting, uh, in a slightly more serious way. Some of the other characters are just more silly. Like Andrew, who is the son wants to be a stand up comedian and that's <laughs> not particularly going great. Uh, and there's some great scenes with that. So there's just a ton of things to talk about. Um, the characters are interesting. The plot is really snappy and quick paced. Uh, the writing is great. I mean, there's just, there. I, I love this book. Um, and I think it's a great book club pick because there's so much to talk about and probably you will not all agree, which is the best thing to have for a book club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's The Wangs versus the World by Jade Chang. And yes, okay, it is time for our second sponsor, which is The Evaporation of Sophie Snow by Mary Weather. Oh, Weber. Sorry. Mm. I have snow on the brain, so I just read that wrong. So yes, the author is Mary Weber, uh, who is an award-winning author. And this book, if you are a fan of books that are about video games, if you're a fan of science fiction, if you are a fan of, you know, um, teenagers who have to, you know, get come up against the government, this book is going to get all of those things going for you. It is about a girl named Sophie Snow, as you might have guessed, who is an online gamer and part of a team that does battles there's like this battle arena situation where some of it is online which is what Sophie does and then some of it is in real life like blood sport in real life which her brother Shiloh does and then a bomb goes off in the arena while these you know games are going on and everybody else thinks he's dead but she is convinced that he's alive and he's been taken to this ice planet that has moved into Earth's vicinity courtesy of some aliens uh so that's intense and but the only way that she can get to him is through an ambassador to the aliens which she is not um so she is then tries to you know join forces with Miguel who is a very charming playboy and also an ambassador and is not particularly you know uh kind hearted like he's he's a wheeler dealer um, so now everybody is just kind of trying to figure out like what's going to happen next. Um, so and Miguel, Miguel is on the run as well because of the bomb and things happen. And anyway, it's all very complicated. There's a lot going on, but there's aliens, there's gaming, there's it's in the future. Like there's so many fun hooks for this book. Um, it just sounds very entertaining. I am very curious myself. So that is the evaporation of Sophie Snow by Mary Weber. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. And our next question is from Astrid, who says, I am an adult who loves to read most genres. I recently read The Candy Makers by Wendy Mass. It is such a fun middle grade book with twists and turns and fun characters. I'm looking for other middle grade novels that are similar in length and have good audiobook versions. Other middle grade novels that I have adored are The Graveyard Book, Coraline, Harry Potter, The Inkheart series, Splendors and Gloom, and Far, Far Away. I read a lot of nonfiction and long literary fiction, so it's nice to have middle grade book to curl up with and just enjoy. Amanda, what you got? Okay, I picked The Gauntlet by Karuna Rezai, which is a new, new, yeah, it just came out in March, uh, a new middle grade book that I love so much. It is essentially a steampunk, or steampunk Jumanji with a Muslim hijabi main character. So nice. It's just great. So it's about a 12-year-old girl named Farah, and her she has two best friends and a little brother named Ahmed, uh, named Ahmed and they get 
sucked into this board game that their aunt gives uh, Farah for her birthday, for her 12th birthday. Um, and, uh, well, actually, the baby brother, who's, I think, seven, gets sucked into the board game. And then they run, Farah runs to her aunt and is like, what? And her aunt said, well, I tried to give you books. And, like, this game has a heart of it, has a mind of its own, and it's come for you. And, ah, and obviously she has, like, a history with this game. So they jump in, the, the Farah and her two best friends jump into the game to go rescue her brother. And it turns out to be this, um, like, steampunk Middle Eastern world where they have to uh, complete a series of challenges in order to rescue her brother and also get out of the game. Like, that's the game, is you have to defeat who's called, the character's name is the architect who built this world. You have to defeat him by completing a series of his challenges, um, and if you if you lose, you get stuck in the game forever. And the entire population of the city where they are is, like, players who have been who have lost and are stuck in the game. Um, and so they meet a bunch of like really hilarious side characters. There's a, a, a lizard resistance made up of sentient lizards. One of them is named Henrietta who helped them play the game to like, defeat <laughs> the architect so they can all get out. Um, and while doing that, she has to, uh, you know, keep like try and find her brother, see where he went. He's seven years old. He's wandered off. He like went into the game and then wandered off and she has to do all of, all of, all of that at the same time. Um, the world is really lovely. It's got a lot of, uh, Middle Eastern flares and like food and, um, architecture and history woven into the world that is, uh, that is built into the game. Um, so yeah, I, it's from Salam Reads, which is a new, uh, Muslim imprint from Simon & Schuster that I think is really important. And this book is just a lot of fun. It's a great cozy little, uh, middle grade that I read in like a setting. So that's The Gauntlet by Karuna Rizai. I have a series for you. These were my favorite and I have continued, they were my favorite when I was younger and I've continued to reread them. It is The Enchanted Forest Chronicles by Patricia Reed, the first book of which is Dealing with Dragons. Um, I was thinking about, you know, fun middle grade books with twists and turns and I love these books for their very premise, which is that the main character, uh, Cimmerine, is a princess, but she's super bored with court. Um, she would rather fight with a sword than learn, you know, the correct place settings and how to address the prime minister of the whatever. And so she decides to run off and live with a dragon. Um, and the kingdom then dispenses a series of knights after her to try to rescue her. So she literally fights off. The knights who are coming to rescue her in the meantime is like learning to be the handmaiden to a dragon. And the dragons in this are like very uh, interesting and smart and opinionated and they like tea and baked goods and have pets and hordes and it's just so much fun. Um, And the books continue with all of the, you get to know more of like the background characters and the world building is so delightful. And I don't know, I just, I love, I reread them so many times uh, when I was younger. They're just, they're like a touchstone of my middle grade reading experience. And I think they're, they will certainly suit what you're interested in, especially since you're a fan of the Inkheart series. It made me think of that too. So this is, that again is the Enchanted Forest Chronicles by Patricia Reed. The first book is Dealing with Dragons. Okay, question six is from Martina, who says, I was wondering if there were any books featuring asexual or aromantic characters that you could recommend. I really prefer fantasy or mystery, both YA and adult. The character's sexuality doesn't have to be prominent in the story. I'm just tired of love triangles and romance and everything. Um, Okay, so my pick for you is Every Heart a Doorway by uh, Shannon 
Whoa, Seanan McGuire words are easy to say. Um, This is a really slim, I think you could even qualify it as like a novella. It's under 200 pages and it takes place in Eleanor West's Home for Wayward Children, which has a very uh, Miss Peregrine's kind of feel to it. All of the kids who live at this school have uh, at one point in their life disappeared into a magical world. So think like Narnia, Alice's Rabbit Hole, um, that sort of thing, or like even the other doors in Coraline, um, they have gone to these magical worlds and come back and have are now suffering from what is essentially PTSD because they aren't believed by their loved ones. Um, they don't feel at home in this world anymore. They want to return to the magical worlds that they've left. They're all pretty much just heartbroken and trying to figure out how to um, navigate the quote-unquote normal world now. And in the midst of all of that happening, um, there is a murder. So it's like a kind of a murder mystery in a, in a you know, school for kids. Um, and the main character is asexual. There's also a trans character who is uh, one of the main characters um, as well. And it is a fantasy novel. It's got all of those elements of, um, you know, otherworldly. And that, there's actually a word for that, isn't there, where you slip into another, what is that called? Portal or fantasy. Portal, yes. It's portal fantasy. Um, so, like, what happens after the portal fantasy is over, essentially, is what this book is about. So, that's Every Heart a Doorway by Shauna McGuire. My pick for you is a little off to the side because the main character used to be a spaceship. So, they're not, like, asexual in the same way that a human person is asexual. But they have zero interest in in love or attraction or sex or anything like that. So the book is Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie, uh, which is the first in the Imperial... Raj, I don't know how to say yeah. it. Yeah, Radic. Uh, I've always I've been saying oh, Radic. I, I don't know. know. I, I I even saw a pronunciation guide to this somewhere and then immediately oh. forgot. <laughs> I definitely forgot. Anyway, the main character Breck is once upon a time was a spaceship. Um, with uh, she the the way that soldiers work in this universe is they basically like take bodies and the spaceship takes control of their brains so she had she had like a thousands of bodies in terms of these soldiers and also the spaceship and the breck was you know used to being everywhere all at the same time and then something went terribly terribly wrong and now breck is in one body uh a soldier's body and somebody has killed the captain of the ship, and Breck's job is to find out what happened. So it's, it's kind of like a murder mystery. Um, there's some political shenanigans going on. The world building is really great. Um, Breck has also been saddled with this like sidekick that they want nothing. She wants nothing to do with. Um, <laughs> the reason I'm struggling with my pronouns a little bit is because so Anne Lucky used she as the default because Breck, who's like I don't know what gender is. Like gender is dumb. I don't understand why anybody cares about it just decides to use she for everyone um, mm. including herself but it's it's like again very asexual gender fluid not not specific um but yeah so breck is on this mission to to find out what happened to the captain of the ship that breck used to be and um also there's there's all this politics in the background i love the world building this you didn't say you like science fiction but since you said you like fantasy i'm assuming you're open to it um and it does have a murder mystery kind of in it so i think that this will hopefully be interesting to you and yeah it's really there's nobody's in love with anybody else in this book (laughs) uh so that is a very refreshing change of pace so that's ancillary justice by Anne leckie 
Before we go to the next question, I did want to shout out a new release that you might be interested in. It's called Tash Hearts Tolstoy. It's by Catherine Ormsby, and it's a YA, a contemporary YA uh, novel. There is a romance in it. Um, the main character is like a kind of a YouTuber. She has a, a YouTube channel where she's doing a modern retelling of Anna Karenina, and she gets nominated for this award. So she has to go to this award ceremony where she's going to meet her crush, um, who's another... It's not called YouTube in the book, obviously, but whatever. That's essentially what it is. Um, but the main character is... Asexual is romantic asexual, so she like she has a crush on this kid, but she has to figure out how to navigate that while acknowledging that she's never going to sleep with him. Like that's just not in her makeup. Um, so there is a romance in it. I know you say you were tired of romance and everything, but um, you might that might be something that you would read when you are maybe not so tired of romance and still want to read an asexual character. Okay, that's all. <laughs> okay, our next question is from Becca, who says. It's not something I'm necessarily proud of, but I'm a total literary snob. Uh, I like well-drawn characters and, most of all, beautiful prose. My question is about YA lit. I have so many friends who read nothing but YA and love it with all of their hearts, which has made me curious about the genre. I'd really like to read some quality YA because I don't want to close myself off to potentially really good books, but I don't know what is actually quality and what is not for me. Uh, my friends recommended Cinder, Vivian vs. the Apocalypse, Fangirl, and Hunger Games. I found them all very interesting, but not exactly up to my snobby stance. Standards, the prose didn't draw me in, and I found the characters to be more one-dimensional than to my liking. Uh, I do, however, absolutely adore the perks of being a wallflower, so what YA reads would you recommend for an insufferably snobbish reader? <laughs> well, I'm glad you're trying. Like, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that you are willing to put this out there and be like, I need, I want to do it, but I don't know how to get the right ones for me. Uh, so, and yeah, so, okay, I'm just going to keep talking. Um, My first, my my pick for you is Love in the Time of Global Warming by Francesca Leah Block, which is the first in a series, but I mean, it also works pretty well as a standalone. And it is an apocalypse story. Uh, the main character, Penn, lives in California. I think it's Los Angeles specifically. Um, and one night, like, the world basically enters a giant earthquake and she can't find any of her family and um, she's alone in her house and she doesn't know what's happened, but the world is clearly just not the way it used to be. Everything's a disaster. Um, and so Penn, uh, which is short for Penelope, uh, goes off on a journey to try to figure out what has happened and if she can find any of her family. Um, and the book is really modeled on the Odyssey. Um, and, and there's a ton of Greek mythology, like there's a, a Cyclops and giants and, you know, there's, it really does model very deliberately the, the journey of Odysseus. Um, and I thought that, you know, being a lit snob, you might really enjoy seeing a YA take on a classic. And, and it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's so well done. Like, I loved the characters in this book. It's basically like the queer teen version of the Odyssey, which <laughs> is super enjoyable. Um, it's definitely on the surreal side. It's it's a very short book. I think it's like, yeah, 200 some pages. Um, and it's like a small book, so it's not even a full 200. Uh, but it's 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 really engaging. I thought the writing was good. I loved the way that, you know, Block has tweaked the story of the Odyssey and given it a female teenage main character um, and the way that she reinterpreted, uh, you know, sort of the classic elements of that story. Um, and the other ones are really good, too. So there's more if you like it. Uh, so and Francesca Leah Block is like very well known in YA. She's kind of a grand dame of YA. Um, and But her other books are very different from this one. But if you like her style, there are just tons more for you to read. So that's Love in the Time of Global Warming by Francesca Leah Block. 
Okay, uh, my pick for you is Codename Verity by Elizabeth Wine, and this is a World War II uh, historical fiction YA. And I picked this because it seems like the ones that you've read and tried uh, seem to, and not liked, uh, seem to border, uh, or not border, but like tend more towards the post-apocalyptic kind of dystopian stuff. So I sort of went like the opposite of that. Let's just go back into the past and see if there's a thing you like there. Um, so Codename Verity is about two young women who are... Um, participating in the British war effort during World War II. Maddie is a pilot, and um, Queenie is a secret agent. And they are sent, they are teamed up together, they're sent uh, over to France. Uh, Maddie flies them over to France to drop uh, Queenie off where she's going to go on a mission to support the French resistance against the Nazis. The book opens with her having been captured by the Nazis, and she's been tortured Um, And now she's been given the job of writing everything she knows. Um, She has two weeks to do it, to write out everything she knows about the British war effort and about her role in it. Um, And uh, while she's doing that, Maddie is trying to find her and and rescue her because obviously she's disappeared with no trace. And so you get both uh, perspectives. You get Maddie, who you are, you get Maddie, who's a, uh, who is the pilot, um, kind of telling the memory of, of their friendship, how they met when they were teenagers and then uh, grew up together in the war effort at how she became a pilot um, at their training, all that sort of stuff. Um, but you're also, you're kind of more focusing on Queenie's perspective who, uh, you know, is in captivity. Um, and you think that she's, well, well I don't want to spoil it. Um, she's giving up a lot of information to uh, the, the Nazis who have her in order to avoid torture, though she has already been tortured and is still being, very physically abused during her captivity. And so the information that she gives about the war effort is mostly focused on her friendship with Maddie. So this really is a story of like two women, um, how they met as teenagers and their friendship um, and what they have done to uh, kind of shatter a lot of gender norms. You know, like there were not many female pilots uh, for the British or for any any flying force really. Um, Well, although Russia had, anyway, that's a (laughs) Um, there were not many female pilots uh, and so Maddie's story is really fascinating and there also were not uh, that many that we know of because nature of the work uh, female secret agents so um, there's a lot going on there's it's and but it's a tough I mean it's YA both of the they're young women they're young adults they're teenagers when they meet um, but it's heavy it's very heavy and obviously dark like there's there's some sexual assault um, there's obviously torture it is about war so a lot of people die um, and it's very sad it's it's not like it's not, it's, hmm, I'm trying, it's hard to describe without spoiling it. It's just sad. I mean, it's about World War II and the Nazis. Like, what do you think is going to happen? So, um, yeah, I think that since they're a little bit older on the way spectrum, the characters, it might be a, a good introduction point for you um, because it's it's kind of a crossover, sort of. So that's Codename Verity by Elizabeth Wine. It's you. Oh, okay. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. All right, this, our last question is from Maya. Who says, I'm looking for fiction novels with a main lesbian character. I found it quite easy to find lesbian romance that I enjoy, but I'd really like to read about lesbians outside of the romance genre. Not that I mind a bit of romance in my literary fiction. That's always a plus. I'm open to any genre, sci-fi, fantasy, literary fiction. Side note, can you really call that a genre? Mm-hmm. No, no, I have, I have a lot of fun. You can, but you can, why? That's not real. <laughs> uh, okay, bonus points for the character being bi and the author not being afraid of using the word bisexual and bi myself, and I'm not sure I've actually ever read a book about a bi character who uses the word bisexual to describe themselves. 
Okay, you you go. Yes, yes, I will go. Um, first, we're, I'm gonna stick a note in the show notes for you. But there's a 100 must read lesbian and bisexual women books post that uh, has so many potential books for you. <laughs> um, so yes, I will put that link in the show notes. And then uh, the book that I picked for you is one that I loved when I read it. I I don't have a copy, so I couldn't verify whether or not the word bisexual is ever used. So I apologize in advance if it's not. But um, I just am. I was obsessed with this book when I. I read it. I still think about it regularly. It's My Education by Susan Choi, and it's about a woman named Regina Gottlieb, who is a graduate student at this you know very prestigious university, and um, she ha- is assigned, or she's her professor person is this guy Nicholas Bridger, who has like a reputation um, for being a bit of a playboy. Um, people like he enjoys Roman Polanski films, and people write about him in the women restroom and you know he's very charismatic and everybody's warning about her and she's like whatever it's fine um but so then she meets him and does in fact get very interested in him he's very attractive and then she meets his wife and she falls head over heels for his wife and starts to have an affair with her um and in the meantime you know they're like you know, this woman is married and she's the graduate student for the husband and it's all very complicated and it's all very, like you said, literary fiction, like it's all very university and academic, but then there's all of these roiling emotions and complications underneath the surface. And I just loved the way that it all played out. Like it's not um, a happy book. I don't want I don't, I don't think, um, but it, it ends on a really interesting note because it's, I usually don't like epigraphs, but it ends like 50 years in the future after their affair during this, you know, graduate student study. Um, and, and it's really interesting to see the way, like, that first obsessive love can change the course of your life and then what it looks like when you have some distance from it. So I thought the novel did a really good job of exploring that. So that's My Education by Susan Choi. Okay, my pick is The Stars Are Legion by Cameron Hurley, which I heard about in the Book Riot Insiders Slack channel, where the insiders described it as literally just lesbians in space. And yes. I was like, sold, sold. Yeah. So I like went that same day and got it from my library. But like procreating lesbians in space. Yeah, There's it a lot is of mother weird. stuff in there. Yeah. I'm I'm in the middle of it, okay, and can I just, it's, like, very dark, and there's a lot, it's, like, visceral and weird, yeah. and there's a lot of, like, guts and body yeah. stuff. And yeah, it's so blah. much body stuff. <laughs> it's weird. Okay, okay, so what's happening <laughs> in this book is that there are these world ships, this, like, mass of near each other decaying, and they're all decaying world ships, so, like, like Westerfield's Leviathan, like, these are ships that are transporting people around the stars, but they're also kind of alive, and they're all decaying, um, and this group of world ships is called the Legion. And the Legion has been kind of at war within itself for generations for control of, you know, the, the mass of all of them. I don't even, of, of the Legion. I don't even, there's like no other word for it. Anyway, so uh, the main character's name is Zan. And she wakes up at the beginning of the book with, with like no memory, but a lot of really odd and gross injuries. Um, and she's functionally a prisoner of these people who call her sister. Like they say, they use these like, familial terms to address each other, sister, mother, that kind of stuff. Um, And she's told that, like, she is one of them, that she has been on several missions to board what they call the Mokshi, which is a world ship that somehow has the ability to leave the Legion, and they want her to take it over so they can find out how it's doing that and, like, control it. Um, But every time she goes to do that, 
she's captured within the world, the world erases her memory and then spits her back out and they have to go like rescue her. So this has happened a couple of times. They don't tell her uh, what goes on inside the ship when she's captured. They don't tell her why she's going back again and again and again. She has no functional memory of what's happening. And so when the book opens, she's being trained and prepared to go do it again, again with no memory. Um, and so it, then you find out that like, as the more information you gain, the more you realize that this is like a genocidal campaign and um, she's going to have to go back into this world and, and like solve the mystery of where her memory is and who she is and who these people are who keep calling her sister and like, but also being like really sexually attracted <laughs> to her. So obviously we're not like really related, are we? Question mark. Um, and all, in all of that, there's just weird, gross, like Cameron Hurley is a very dark writer. So I'm going to say that this is not a, it's a space opera, but it's not like, it's not Firefly. It's not like fun people being buddies in space doing stuff. It's like gross and dark and lots of death and, and squeaky stuff happens. But I'm also <laughs> really enjoying it. So yeah. like, what does that say about me? I don't know. No, anyway, I mean, so. she's, she's, I, I felt the same way about her empire books. Like awful things happen to the characters, but also it's, it's really well done. Yeah. But just, you know, like her hand thing. Ugh, yeah, I can't. Yeah. No. Uh, anyway, so that's The Stars for <laughs> Legion by Cameron Hurley. Gross, but lesbians in space, go for it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Woo! We can bore with us through our BEA fugue state. Um, <laughs> thank you so much to the sponsors for today's show. If you have a moment, please do review us on iTunes. It helps other folks to find the show, and we love to see your feedback. You can find us on social media sometimes. Um, <laughs> I'm Jen IRL, Jen with two N's IRL, and Amanda is I'm Amanda Nelson, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.